Hello, everybody. My name is Troy Swanson. I'm the library department chair, and I'm joined today by Tommy Hensel, who's the director of the Fine and Performing Arts Center here at Moraine Valley. Tommy, thanks for joining me. Thanks for asking me. I'm happy to be here. We're going to do a, a little preview and overview of the upcoming season because we're so excited um, that the FPAC is back and that we're having um, arts back in the in the uh, Menker Theater. So that is fantastic. Uh, could you maybe before we before we dive in, I know you've done so much work over the last year um, being out there and keeping the discussion alive, at least. Can you talk a little bit about some of your work during the pandemic on behalf of the FPAC? Sure. You know, so obviously, like every theater in the world, essentially, at the beginning of March of 2020, we were shut down. So and we weren't allowed to bring an audience back into our theater until August of this year. So we had about 18 months of no live performances with an audience in the theater. Uh, what that meant is that I had probably a third of a season left that got canceled, plus one entire full season that had already been booked that got canceled. So you know, we had nothing uh, on the books at that point because we couldn't perform. So you know, we tried we tried a number of different things. One of the things that we did was create a weekly uh, meet the artist live interview show. So I interviewed artists who have performed on our stages in the past maybe four or five years, um, just to, to do a casual like this, sitting down and having a casual conversation a kind of get to know you thing. We did that once a week starting in April of 2020 all the way through April of 2021. So we did a full year of those and those are all on our YouTube channel. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, I, I would encourage anyone watching this to take a few minutes. They're super fun. So it's they're they're worth the, it's kind of unique instead of just watching the performance, it's kind of the behind the scenes with so many of the artists. Like they're, you did really such a nice job. Well, thank you. Yeah, and part of the reason I wanted to do it was exactly that. I wanted people to be able to get to know who these people are as human beings, not just as someone on a stage, you know. Um, in the starting in the fall of 2020, all of our academic music ensembles started to rehearse again because students were able to come in with certain kinds of social distancing and a lot of protocols for how you know, band instruments can be played during the pandemic and how singers can sing. But all of them were rehearsing. And so as part of their curriculum every semester, uh, they do performances. And if we couldn't have an audience, but we did live stream all of those academic music performances. And those, unfortunately, those are archived for the college, but we cannot rebroadcast them for copyright reasons. Uh, but we're continuing this semester with all of those ensembles being live streamed, but most of them are also gonna have an audience that is able to come sit in the theater as well. So we're moving oh, yeah. back to more performance again. And during during the pandemic also of last year, we besides just the live streams, we did have one artist or ensemble who we managed to take their contract and rewrite it to make it a virtual contract instead of a live one. It was the Fifth House Ensemble from Chicago. It's a, a concert orchestra. And they actually did several workshops for our students that were live virtual workshops. And then they did a performance that was streamed live as well. So we had one artist who sort of stayed in the season. Oh, that's great. And is it is that virtual performance out there to be found or were you able to save that? No, but um, gotcha. but they actually have it saved on their website. So you can oh, go okay. to the Fifth House Ensemble website and see it's called Rivers Empyrean. Um, and you can watch that on the Fifth House website. 
how great it's it's like one of the lessons from the pandemic is recognizing the value of being together but also recognizing what we can do remotely i think there's so much <laughs> that we've learned as a society and it seems like you guys are kind of leading the way in some of that well, it's true. I mean, in, in my industry, in the performing arts industry, you know, everybody had to become very creative in the sense of either I got to find a way to be virtual or I don't work you know, or the art doesn't happen. You know, we were in a, in a world without art for a while in a way. And I think people felt that, you know, even people who don't consider themselves to be all into the arts were feeling the loss of not being able to go to a concert, not being able to go to an art gallery, you know, all of that. Right. Yeah. Well, and now we're back and the upcoming season is here, which is what we're really here to talk about. And I got to say, like, you have one of those great jobs on our campus that I'm a little envious of. And I, I've always wanted to ask, you know, what are the things that you think about when you build a season? You know, you have this time, you have a space and you're going to bring people in. Um, and I know that, there's there's some limitations, but also that you can go in a lot of different directions. So, you know, what do you think about as you're building your season? You know, it's interesting because, you know, some people who do what I do will have a very tight curatorial vision. Like I'm gonna do a season that's all about this theme or this thing, you know, so, but we cho choose not to do that. Um, like some people will also have like one style of performer that's they're like all jazz or all blues or whatever. So for us, because we're on a campus, I always try to think about um, as much diversity as possible, diversity in genre of performance, but also diversity in the performers themselves. Now, I want people to be able to come into the theater and see themselves on stage. And we have such a diverse student and community population that that in a way it's difficult, but in a way it's actually kind of fun because that means I have access to so many potential performers and performances that we can put on the stage. So in general, we do 12 main stage performances. Those were the big shows and four smaller shows in our smaller theater. Um, and so those are easy because those are all local performers and I've got a very clear vision for that. But the bigger season is always, I start from a blank slate. I, I don't, I go um, start looking at artists with no idea what I want. And as I see things that intrigue me, I start to say, okay, yes. And then what would go well with that? And what would be something that would be a different type of performance so I'm not duplicating so many things. So it's kind of like a really interesting jigsaw puzzle. You know, if I've got a great dance company that's a modern dance, I probably don't want a second one. I might bring in, you know, a ballet company instead, or I might bring in world dance. You see what I mean? It's, it's trying to keep it, as diverse, but also looking at all the different audiences we have, you know, who who comes to the theater. And I have to make sure that I program some things that are really purely for entertainment, you know, not necessarily tied to the curriculum or really deeply embedded into um, you know, social justice issues, but things that are just for entertainment as well. So I'm looking at the diversity of performers and performances, but then also diversity of kind of the feeling or the vibe of the different shows right and and i know this is a unique year obviously but it, during normal years where you're going year after year i'm sure you also try to not do the same things each year right some differences yeah i rarely will bring back the same performer twice in a row except for certain performers that have multiple shows like uh, there's a guy named jim witter um who's in our season again this year that we've presented 10 times in my 14 years here 
uh, but every one of his shows is a different show. So people come to his show because they love him as a performer, but they're not seeing a rehash of anything they've seen before. They're seeing something completely different every time. Yeah, how how great. Well, maybe this is a good time to, you know, what, what are the highlights? What are the things we should be looking for this season? Well, I, I, I mentioned to you before we even started talking today that one of the weird things about this season is because we had all those shows cancel, um, I had to figure out a way to keep those contracts because we couldn't just cancel the contracts. That's not how they're written. Um, so if there's a, a way to reschedule, that's the first thing we have to talk about when a show gets canceled. So I took all of those contracts from one and a third seasons and moved them into this season and plus actually a couple into the fall of 2022. So even into the next season, we have a few things um, that we rescheduled. So um, what happened is that when I started to do that, th the choice of dates and times was driven entirely by when they were available and when our space was available, not normally the way that I would put a season together. So it's kind of, it's a great season, but it's not put together in the way that I normally would. Um, but having said that, I think we've got some great stuff. You know, um, the first performance actually is coming up right after we do this broadcast. So I don't know if it's going to even be um, up before that, but it's a guy named Vitali who was an illusionist who was on Fool Penn and Teller. So a couple of times uh, we have uh, unusually, I normally would do maybe two dance companies. I have three dance companies in the season this year, and they're all amazing. But my favorite is Serco Rivera dance theater, which is coming up in early October. Um, they're a local dance company from Chicago that does really interesting work that intersects with social justice. So their work will um, engage in conversations about immigration, about the, um, the African diaspora, you know, all sorts of really interesting things that, that tie into curriculum. Um, yeah, wow. Very cool. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's a, they're a great company and then, you know, they, they want people to think when they see their work. You know, not just sit back and say, oh, pretty dance. It's it is beautiful dance, uh, but it's done with live music and it's all it's got a theme. It's got a theme. Um, well, one of the most exciting, of course, is Ben Vereen, who people will know from both his Broadway history and film. But also he's actually um, on a new TV show. It's not a new TV show, but he's a new recurring artist on this uh, show called Be Positive, which has been on the air. I think it's a CBS show. For the past couple of years and he's going to be doing a show in october um jim witter i mentioned he's back in november we have a very exciting show that we're calling songs for syria it's three syrian artists that are vastly different one is a classical violinist one is a band that does kind of blues and funk and the other is a spoken word artist omar Afendum, uh, who we've had on campus before but all of them are connected because they're all from syria and so their show is a celebration of just of music and culture, but really tied into the Syrian culture. Um, Christmas, we have Christmas in Killarney, a big Irish, happy Irish Christmas celebration. Uh, Second City always comes back every year for us. Um, that's in the spring. I would say in the spring semester, the things that I'm most excited about, we have two great dance companies, Giordano and uh, Koresh Dance from Philadelphia. But we have um, the New York Gilbert and Sullivan players coming to do Pirates of Penzance, which is a great show. Right. Uh, but the two shows that are really intersecting with, I think, with curriculum 
and with relevant social topics. Uh, one of them is called Small Island Big Song. Um, it's a group of nine um, indigenous artists from nine different small islands in either the Pacific or the Indian Oceans um, who have all come together to celebrate um, how all of their cultures have some similarities to them, but also all of them are cultures that are in danger of disappearing because of climate change, because of the islands. Um, so it's an amazing show. Which is which is a really great tie-in to, you know, just the library promotion. You know, our, our yeah. one book, one college program this year is on climate change, and there's a lot of conversations that we're having related to that. So uh, and I, the, the, the communities at the front lines of climate change are the ones that are filling it first and that those island communities are right there. So um, what a great connection. You know, it was interesting when they, they were putting this, uh, they were actually started out doing a documentary um, about all these islands. And in the documentary, they decided to sort of use music and dance as a way to draw people into the documentary. But what they discovered as they started going around to all these islands was that their music and their cultures and their um, clothing were all incredibly similar, even though they were se separated by 5,000 miles of ocean. So there's this really kind of concept of that once they were all one people and spread out and that culture has remained consistent across all of these very interesting and diverse cultures. So I think that's, a, they're gonna be on campus for three days to do workshops as well. It's fantastic. Um, I think I'm most excited just because I'm friends with with um, Azam Ali and Logatorkian, but we have the um, Niaz coming back to do the Fourth Light project again. They did it for us in the fall of 2017, uh, and it's an, a stunning, uh, immersive multimedia uh, show that celebrates um, Persian culture. So I think it's um, it's that's my most exciting show, I think, for the season. That's great. Now, if for people who are listening, if they wanted to learn more and get the specific dates and get tickets, where where would they go? Uh, they can go to our website, which is morainevalley.edu slash FPAC, which is Fine and Performing Arts Center. So morainevalley.edu slash FPAC. Um, and that's they will have all the information there. That's great. And I will put a link to that in the description of this video on YouTube. Um, and, and can you talk just for a second about where we are with the safety protocols for audience members? And I know this may change over time, but as of September of 2021, um, you know, how are you guys approaching the season? So, you know, our safety protocols are driven by the college administration and the, the protocols for the campus. So as we all know who work in higher education, there was an executive order um, from the governor that all uh, employees and students needed to be either vaccinated or, or tested on a regular basis. And that extends to volunteers, but it doesn't extend to visitors to campus, like people who go to the, the fitness and recreation center or the conference center or to our theater. Um, so the protocols that the college has asked us to implement are um, keeping the mask policy. So anywhere on our campus, people have to wear masks when they're indoors. Uh, so we, you know, we obviously have a mask policy. Um, like in the classroom, uh, there's a three-foot social distance in our classrooms right now. Uh, they've allowed me to do the same thing in the auditorium, which actually equates to one seat, which means if you come in and, and buy, let's say you buy four tickets because you and your you know, family are all coming to a show together, when you purchase the tickets, 
our ticketing system will automatically block out all the seats around you, one seat around you. So each group is sitting together, but there's a, a at least a three foot distance between that group and anybody else. So we've got some social distancing. Um, and then uh, beyond that, um, all visitors to campus are required to do uh, a self assessment health screening. Uh, there is a website that we've been sending out to our patrons called Cleared for Campus uh, that makes it much easier because if they do it in advance on the app, then they can just show us their phone when they come into the auditorium. Otherwise, we have uh, paper copies of that for people who either don't have a smartphone or don't really want to use it or don't know how to use it. Um, they can come in and fill out a quick uh, assessment. It's a, it's a series of very short questions about their, their symptoms. Um, and you know, once they've done that, we can let them into the auditorium. Well, and that that's great. I mean, you know, I, all of us are learning to live with uh, the pandemic life, but I think it also gives some assurances that if you're buying tickets, you know, you're not everyone's not all jammed together. I know I've gone to we we know have generally been going to outdoor events, but a couple indoor events, and you're kind of nervous. So I think um, this offers some you know safety for people who are coming. So that's just great. Yeah, I know most of the uh, the theaters in the Chicago area, like in the city itself, or have implemented vaccine proof requirements. That's it was a coalition of theaters that all got together and said, let's all do the same thing. And to be quite honest, I would prefer that for our theater. That that's my personal choice. But of course, I my protocols have to be driven by what the college has asked me to do. So you know, unless the college says, okay, you've got a choice, you can do this or this. We're going to keep doing this until they tell me otherwise. All right. Well, well, Tommy, thank you so much for your time today. I don't know if there's any closing thoughts you wanted to send out to anyone viewing this. Um, no, just I let students know, particularly all I've decided a couple of years ago that all tickets would be free for students to our main stage performances. So any student, not just Moraine Valley, but any student anywhere um, can see a show for free. Of course, they have to reserve the ticket. Um, but the tickets are free for students. And this year we're offering a special discount to uh, veterans and active military as well, which is a new discount level that we've created. That's that's great. Um, and thank you. You know, I think the FPAC plays such an important role in the Southwest suburbs. I, I know that everyone in the surrounding communities recognizes your work and the work of your staff. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, you do so much in opening up eyes to all different kinds of art that we might not stumble upon um, if you weren't here. So thank you for that. No, it's my pleasure. And I do want to give a shout out to the amazing staff at the FPAC. I, I have the hardest working team um, that you can imagine. And especially now with all of these new protocols, you know, what, what the audience doesn't see is what we have to do backstage and in the dressing rooms and in the booth and all these support spaces, you know, dealing with artists backstage and with our staff you know, all of the cleaning of microphones and, you know, dealing with, you know, airflow and just everything that, you know, that the audience shouldn't have to know about that because what they want to do is come sit and enjoy a show. But there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes that's been doubly difficult right now because of, of all these new protocols. Yeah, well, that's just fantastic. So send our best to them. And I'll just say to close, thank you, Tommy, for your time and for all your work. This is, it's, we're, I'm excited for the upcoming season. Thank you. And thanks for letting me join you today. I'm excited to be able to talk about the season.